With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following is a CA original. You're at the intersection where music, movies, and pop culture meet. Welcome to Crossroads. Here's Chris Harrington. Welcome to episode 16 of Crossroads. We took an Elvis Week siesta last Wednesday, but we're back at full capacity. A little later, I'll be joined by film writer and pop culture columnist John Bythus and by music writer Bob Mayer to talk about the latest class of inductees to the Memphis Music Hall of Fame, the BBC's new list of best film comedies, and what's happening in Memphis this week. But first, I've got food writer Jennifer Biggs, who recently ate her way through Crosstown in studio. And you live to tell about it. I did. Here I am. Talking so, about more food. Talking about more food. So we're going to talk about burgers in a little bit because you're in a burger frame of mind this week. But first, we're going to go back to last week's, last Friday's Go Memphis uh, cover, which was a, you looked at all the food um, offerings in not only in Crosstown Concourse, the building, but in the surrounding Crosstown neighborhood. Obviously, the Crosstown Concourse building opened, had its grand opening. It's been open for a while, but had its grand opening celebration last weekend. There's a lot going on food-wise in that building. There is, and I think there's going to be a whole lot more to come. I really do. I hear rumblings, but you know nothing confirmed. There's, I, I'm over there all the time because I live in the neighborhood. I was actually over there yesterday. There's a sign in a window of, of some pizza place that's Radishi or something like that. It's R-A-D-I-C something. I see. I had I have information on another pizza place, but if that one's coming in, then I bet the one I'm hearing it. But that's the thing, you know, you hear right. all these things and you can't confirm anything, and leases aren't signed, so you don't know for sure what's what. So, what's your yeah. impression of of, of of as it currently stands? And, and like, they should have hurried up on some of this stuff for you, right? I mean, next door, uh, the next door is it called next door American Eatery? That's going to open very soon, but it wasn't open when you did the story. No, it was not open in time for the story, but that's well. That's the only one that's going to be open right away. I'm going there tomorrow. Right. I'm going to, to eat tomorrow. It seemed like I was actually at the building yesterday. And it looked like they were having some kind of employee tasting because I saw yeah. lots of people on next door T-shirts in there eating food. Now, do they say, I just think it's, con- you know, the whole next door thing is going to be a little confusing. Because we already have a next door in Midtown. We do. Right. So is it going to be next door? Do they say American Eatery on? I mean, is it prominent? I think I just saw next door yeah. in terms from a distance what I could see. Yeah, but that's part of the kitchen, and that's one thing we have to make sure people remember too. That so we have the kitchen at Shelby Farms, right? Then we have next door, which is like the step down of the kitchen, more like a kind of pub grub, but also daily lunch specials that sort okay. of thing. And then in Memphis, of course, it's the only place where we have the little kitchenette. What's it called? It's not the yeah, just the kitchenette. At is Shelby it the Farm. kitchenette? Yeah, it's the little grab and go part right. at Shelby Farms, and that's the only one they have of those. Okay. So that um, so. We have all three. When this opens, and I think Monday is the grand opening on Monday, maybe Tuesday, on um, and it could on be the Saturday. Next door so who's to, who's to say for sure? Because is, I'm just is, sitting here thinking I don't really know the exact. As opposed date. to next door, which is the the offshoot of Sweetgrass, of Sweetgrass, and Cooper Grass, Young, right? next door to Sweetgrass, right? So, 
um, CA lunch coming up there, by the way, not too long from now. But we'll talk. Then we'll talk about that's off uh, off the subject completely. Okay. Um, back to Crosstown. So, in terms of like you know, Mama Gaia, um, Farm Burger, those were the full scale restaurants that are already open with right. with the other stuff to come, and then lots of like little stuff around there. Um, you can get a full meal at Curb Market too. Yes. It's you know you've got the the buffet. You walk your way through. They have a salad bar, then they have a hot bar, and you can go through there and get you know protein and vegetables lots of different kinds of vegetables and sit take it and sit down they have seating outside there for that too so you can get that so what uh, what's sort of your general impression i mean had you spent a lot of time in the building before you started working on this this food thing i've been in the building mm, maybe four or five times total I think the building's great. Yeah. In fact, I wish that we would move there. Right. That, don't you think that would be an ideal place for Let's us? Let's work on that. We'll work on that after the I, podcast. Yeah. Well, I know, but I tell everybody when they say, where are you moving? I say, if anybody asks you, say Crosstown, because that's where we need to be. I think it'd be great. I, I could I could bike to the office. I, I would be very happy about that. Yeah. I would come to the office all the time because it would be so cool just yeah. to be in that building. I, th- I do think the building's great. I think it's going to be very successful. I think it's just, yeah, I think everything about it just being in it except for right now the noise the noise bothers me right. in the open areas uh, i was trying to write from french truck the other day when i was in there and was working on this story and it was a little bit just i mean everything even like the air conditioning all that they need more was, electrical outlets yeah. around french truck too I, i've worked from there several times well you know I, I think that's coming though i think they're not done with all of that it i, well, I ended up leaving at at some point when I probably would have had to charge up if I'd stayed much longer and, and did I you didn't even eat, look. I know you did because I'm looking at a photo of it in, in, the, in the in the in the story. But for the listeners, what have you eat, what have you eaten at French food and what's your take on the food there in addition to the coffee? All I ate at French truck was a croissant sandwich. OK. And it was it was very good. But it, I mean, it was this croissant was good. I don't know where they're at. I, I, did he tell me that they're getting those from La Baguette? He may have. I'm not positive about that. I don't think they're baking those in house, but it was good. I mean, it was you know, it wasn't a croissant sandwich. It was a, right. it was a nice uh, version of it, and that's all I ate there. I did not eat the quinoa bowl. You, you, I could have eaten my way in my weight in quinoa. Quinoa sort place. of a theme, right? Isn't that funny though? How much quinoa there is in one building. Really? I, um, I took your advice. I finally went to Mama Guy for the first time, I and I it. and I took your advice specifically, and I got the um the tofu. Tell, tell me, remind me what I ate. Did I, you get the tofu pita? The sesame tofu pita is that yeah. what it was? Yes, that, it was very good. It was very good. It, that's my favorite thing there. I like the tofu Asian salad too, but I really the pita is heartier, and it's got the hummus and everything in it. It's it's very good to me. I got that with a side of like their baked fries, yeah. which are really sort of thick, potatoey, and it was quite a filling lunch. It was good. And Mama Guy is opening. Also in the new Bally Memphis, there's a grand opening right. coming right up on that too, and a little cocktail tasting I'm going to be doing today. If you want to um, get in on that, and you're welcome to to join me. They've, they're going to have a, a bar there too, so it'll be kind of fun. I thought, um, you know, obviously we haven't gotten into you know the, the next door and the pizza place and the stuff that hasn't come up yet, but I thought Farmburger was good. I thought here's what I thought about Farmburger was really good. The onion rings and the fries. I thought that they yeah. were even better. I haven't had the than, onion rings yet. But. Oh, I got we got, we split a burger and then because I was doing a couple of places that you know how I do when I right. go out and and eat a street. Um, we did the we split the the fries and the uh, onion rings, whatever the combination is. It's just is a split order of those, and then split a burger. Burger was good. Um, it, it was really good, but it was just a real simple mustard pickle onion burger. And then the onion rings and the fries were both really stellar. 
They were great. Yeah, no, I, I liked Farm Burger. I my burger was good. It it relatively um not cheap, but relatively affordable. I mean, the pricing is not problematic there at all. I don't I didn't think. No, it was like think eight, so. it was like 8.90 was 8.95 for the lunch combo. I think it's 8.50, I think. Yeah, you get, you get burger yeah. fries and a drink for yeah. that. And then if you want to add like, you know, bacon and specialty stuff, you got to add a little extra right. there, but your your basic burger fries and drink that's pretty good i think the quality is honestly i think that's cheaper than backyard i know it's cheaper than backyard burger right i have um somebody who always asked me to pull the backyard burger coupons from the sunday paper for them because i think the backyard burger special is like 10 or 11 dollars or something so yeah if you can get farm burger instead of backyard burger i mean you know fast food sit down instead of fast food you didn't just look at what was in the building though you did the neighborhood yeah. and one of the things that i think is interesting i'm gonna get around to write i'm gonna write, i haven't really written on crosstown yet Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go in the 901. I'm going to at some point, and I have a few different things I want to get into. This is sort of one of them. But the um, as I understood it, when I talked to some of the people organizing the building a year or so ago, and I think this is still true, even though there's a lot of restaurant retail kind of stuff in there, mm-hmm. the actual square footage they devote to that, especially the restaurant portion, is much smaller than the, some of the same buildings in other cities that have been redone. Um, certainly in the, the one in, in, in Minnesota, which has an entire like bottom floor, is this enormous like ethnic food court, basically. And so I think one of the rationales for that, as I understood it, was the hope that, you know, even though this building sort of a self-contained unit, you have all these people who are working there and who are coming there for church health and you're going to have a high school mm-hmm. there at some point and all this. So it has sort of a built-in customer base within the building. There's some hope that those people will also interact with the surrounding neighborhood and will, will go out into some of the stuff that's already there, which sort of remains to be seen how successful that'll be. But there are good places to eat if you walk out of that building. Absolutely right? there are. And I think also, um, and this is not something I'd, I'd should have tracked this down, but wasn't able to. There was just a little snafu and getting with some communication. But I think that they're having, you know, kind of an emphasis not on just healthy food, but on healthier food options right. at Crosstown because of the a church uh, health center that's okay. in there, too. So, And if you look at everything that's in there so far, it bears that out. Now, I can't say that with all certainty that that is the case, but I'd say it with, you know, 85 percent certainty right now. And right. we'll talk about that later as I, you know, we continue with Crosstown. If you walk out but, of the building and you want to eat and you don't want to have to get in your car, where, where should you go? Well, you'd walk right across the street and you'd go into Mardi Gras. Right. Actually, you could go any any of these places here are within walking distance that we talk about here. Right. You could walk from the from the concourse. But Mardi Gras. It's fantastic. It it is the best crawfish etouffee in town. It is interesting. I mean, okay. It, now there are a lot of things that I, you know I love at Second Line. A lot of things I love at Deja Vu. But for the crawfish etouffee, I'm going to Mardi Gras to get it. And in the best way, Chris, it's it's the sloppiest thing in the world. Not well. One of the sloppiest things you would eat in town is a crawfish etouffee sandwich, and they just take a French roll and split it open. So it's a knife and fork sandwich, like a hot roast beef or something. Right. But it's open face roast beef. Really good. Go over to Midtown Crossing. That's a really good pizza. I still have not been there. Oh, you got to go. It's it, The pizza is fantastic. And she has brunch, which has a super, the waffle is, is fantastic cream cheese waffle. And you can get it with maple syrup or you can get it with, she'll serve, you know, some kind of like a blueberry jalapeno type thing. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's something interesting. Um, and a $2 mimosa bar. So you can get every mimosa is two dollars, and you can get it with this fruit juice or that fruit juice or whatever, and and that's kind of fun. Plus they have live music, so right. it's it's a nice little place. I love 
uh, Fung Long. That's I one of my go-tos. Yeah. Oh, man, that lemongrass tofu. I could eat it. I say I could eat it every day. There's nothing I could eat every day for very long, but I could eat it for probably three days in a row. I bet you I could. I bet you I could eat that every day for three days in a row at lunch. I go there a lot because uh, I live, you know, like I said, in sort of the general neighborhood, and that's mm-hmm. one of my go-tos. I, I'll, I'll typically get, I'll have to try the lemongrass tofu. I typically typically, typically either get the combination vermicelli, which is that. with the pork and yep. the egg rolls and the shrimp, or I'll get the lemongrass beef. Um, it's going to taste way. real similar, yeah. but but they do a real good job with tofu there because it's not, I can't stand overcooked tofu. If right. it gets you know all dry and, and mealy in the middle, it's no good. So you want it a little moist, but you don't want it soggy and wet either. They, they get it right where they're supposed to every time so they do a real good job with that also the bon chua or the bon uh, the vietnamese pancake and it, even if i can pronounce it right it won't make any difference because it's not written that way on the menu it just says yeah, pancake right and that's fantastic and the the plates that they have where they have like rice and a fried egg on top yeah yeah that's really good it's a great place i think i think the food there's really good it's very colorful inside yeah yeah um so you wrote about crosstown last week this week you're writing about burgers what do, you got, what do you got going on well we're gonna we're just gonna write about how to make a better burger it's labor day everybody's gonna be out there on that grill so what do you do? So I'm talking to some folks who know how to make burgers, and we're right. gonna, we're going to write about uh, obviously by talking to people who know how to make it. I'm talking to some people who make good burgers in town, and you know some some of the usual suspects, maybe some that aren't. Um, how do you, what what are the tips? And do you grill it, or do you? Maybe like fry them in a skillet, which is, you know. That's cast iron skillet, man. 95% of cooking is you can do in the cast iron skillet. It's the best burger to me. Right. In fact, I made some last night. That's yep. what it, I have. I have what would be, you can I call it a diet plate for lunch today because I was just grabbing things from the fridge and I didn't have time to get out. It's a hamburger patty cottage cheese and a tomato so if only i had canned pears it would right, be like right. my grandmother's <laughs> diet plate but but it, you know it'll be great everybody then did those cast iron skillet so don't burgers. spoil all the story but what are what are a couple of um burger burger tips well what well we'll talk about one thing i mean the obvious is the quality of meat we don't even yeah. really have to go into that but it's how much you handle it too and no, how not too much barely yeah and i mean just, just enough to form it yeah except one thing that i that i heard and i started doing that worked for me i don't know if this is one of your tips but use your thumb and press down a little bit in the middle, and that keeps it from getting too thick. If you right, if you if you have the big fat burger, just right. press it, and of course it'll fill in. But you don't have to because I'd asked about that because some people will say poke a hole in the middle. I said a hole is no, not just, necessary. Just a little, just a little right in the middle, right, just a little indention will do. And one thing which I agree with um, very much, and was glad to hear someone say this: you you season only the outside of the burger when you're yes. putting it on the inside. You're making meatloaf. Was what he said, but but liberally to me, I, I'm pretty liberal with the kosher salt and the fresh cracked pepper. You have yeah. to be, and I and I have to have garlic on mine too. Garlic powder. That's when I pull out garlic okay. powder. Interesting. Garlic powder, lots of black pepper, and lots of salt. But if you don't get lots of salt on it, you're not going to get any flavor in that burger. Right. You have to you have to sear that salt in there. You All have right. to. I feel I feel better. I, you were sort of co-signing what I was already doing with my burger stuff. So I feel I feel, I feel like I'm pretty good pretty good shape. Well, I'm, but I'm sure I can learn more. I'm glad you like the um, the cast iron skillet method too. Because I think that, that I, I do my steaks. No, I do block everything in my cast iron skillet. So I don't want to steal too much thunder from the Rub podcast, which you were on recently, talking about your 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 Texas visitations. But since we're on 
on the burger topic, I'm going to bring up just the burger part of it. So you were in Texas. You visited In-N-Out. There's this like national thing about sort of like the higher end fast food burger places. And so you have In-N-Out, which is out west, and, and Whataburger, which is sort of south. Texas, mm-hmm. Southwest, Five Guys, which is more of a Southeast thing, and then I guess Shake Shack, which is Northeast. You haven't been to Shake Shack. You've been to the other three. What What do you think of In and Out, and how do you sort of place it in the mix of all those others? In and Out to me was just. I mean, I I won't ever feel the need to go to In and Out again. I was not impressed. There either. was there was nothing about it. And when people say, "Oh, it just tastes like a Tops," what? It tastes nothing like a Tops. Zero. I don't, I don't nothing. really want special sauces on no, my burgers. That's I want to be able to choose like a mayo or mustard me or too. whatever. You know, exactly. I didn't if like you're that whip, special if you're, sauce. If you're mixing like ketchup and mayo or whatever in the back, like I don't need that. And, and by the way, this is something I forgot to. Now I have, I have to confess that I, I I'm an accidental thief. When we were throwing everything away, when we were walking out, I was talking and I walked out with the little red tray and I noticed it when I was going through some stuff from Texas last night. I said, what is this? And then I remembered, oh, yeah, I have the little red tray from an uh, in and out. So I guess I'll have to try to return that sometime on some other Texas visit. I, I don't know about that. So you were underwhelmed by in and out yep. You haven't done Shake Shack, but of, uh, of the ones you have done, like what? what oh, it's Whataburger for me. Whataburger. Okay. I love Whataburger. I loved Whataburger when I was a kid, though. We had them. Yeah. We had them here then. Whataburger and Minuteman. I don't know if you remember Minuteman. No. The only Minuteman that I know of that still exists is in El Dorado, Arkansas. And it's about 50 miles out of the way between Memphis and Austin, which I hope to never have to drive again. But the times that I've done it, I've always said, you know, before I leave Memphis, oh, we're going to go to Minuteman. But you don't want to add 100, 100 miles. When's Memphis going to get a Whataburger? I don't know. We had them. We talked about this last week on on the rub because so why don't we have one? I mean, right. you, we, you know, we get this rumor about every two years or so, and then I'll, I'll call Whataburger and say, "Oh, are we getting a Whataburger in?" And and they like they put it on Twitter. I mean, they don't right. keep it. It's all very transparent. We don't have. There are no plans for one. We had to. Maybe somebody still owns the franchises here who doesn't want to open them. That's huh. what we we sort of uh, you know speculated. Because we'll, we only have week. one of those four places. You would think Whataburger would be the the one we would more be more likely to get than In and Out or um, Shake Shack. I wonder if there is a Whataburger Shack, in Tennessee. Which sort of is Shake Shack, right? Sear Shack is good. It is good. I like Sear Shack a lot. Is it kind of like Shake Shack? You've been to Shake it's Shack? Sim- it's, yeah, it's similar. So I mean, and I know that like the menu is limited, like that, right? At at Shake Shack, Shake Shack menu is less limited. I like that Sear Shack is like super limited. Mm-hmm. You're getting burger fries and milkshakes, and yeah. like that's all we're doing. And I'm totally cool with that. Yeah, and they make their buns, they make their pickles. Yeah. I mean, every the quality is very high. I'm 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 I love it. I'm basically I'm all what about we're it. saying here is we don't need your outside chains. We we have our own thing going on, and we're cool with that. Man, we got plenty of burgers. Right. <laughs> burger, burgers are the last thing that we are going to. There's a new one too. They haven't uh, tried yet out uh, in Germantown called uh, Farm and Fries. Hearing good things, oh, really? hearing okay. good things, but haven't haven't not made it out there yet. And they also there's that Hop Dotty chain or whatever that's going to go into Overton Square, which they're working on. And right that now. was uh, the first time I was in Austin a few years ago before Megan moved down there. But I was there for Wendy's wedding, and we um, we were going to go. Everyone was saying you got to eat these burgers. That, I mean, the line was just right. so long, and I said you got. I'm not waiting. This was the problem with my one Shake Shack experience. I thought it was really good, like really good. Everything about it was good, except logistically, it was just a. A disaster. Do you? Wait this was in like line? at three p.m. on a Sunday, and it was a disaster. Do you wait in line for food? Um, I did then because it was a situation with the kids and where we were going. That was really the only option. And that Generally speaking, no, I do yeah, not. I don't either. It's. No. A, I have a thing about it. I mean, if it, I just, I just can't. Um, 
I can't bear the the thought of having to stand in a line. That's why I don't wait. I don't go to stuff like that when it first like when like the first I don't think Chipotle is very good anyway. But when the first Chipotle opened in Memphis, some people were standing in line for it. Like, why in the world are you standing <laughs> in line? Know. Just go go, go to Guadalapana. It's like uh, two miles away. What are you doing? And you won't have to wait. They'll have that. You they know when you walk in the door what you want. Almost right. that's that's the fastest place in town. <laughs> there are no Whataburgers in Tennessee, by the way. Right. Just you just got a note from passed to me over uh, here. There's there's a win for Texas. And, uh, you know the Texas Tennessee rivalry. At least. Well, they, they do have, and Whataburger started in Texas. Right. I'm not. We were weren't sure exactly where. Still not sure where. Um, but Whataburger's good. I mean, as soon as I hit the road going south, there's going to be a Whataburger, either for lunch on the way down, on the way back. I mean, it it, it goes along with the Florida trip. For All right. Sure. Let's get a quick let's get a quick Game of Thrones um, reaction before I get Bob and John in here. It's um, we talked about it before this this the season started. The season will conclude now this weekend. You and I are both watchers. Are you disappointed? There's been a little, some, a little bit of disappointment out there this season. Not on my part. Okay. Oh, no. I'm not disappointed at all. I think, well, I, th- I think they kind of have stretched it a bit. I will say that. But right. then I don't know what they're stretching to because, you know, I quit reading in the middle of the fifth book and said, I, I, right. But I, I think they've gone so far off. The, I don't even think they're. You know, anywhere near the books. Now they're past the books. That's yes. my understanding. And so it's unclear it's, how much George R. R. Martin has contributed to. I mean, supposedly he gave them outlines like this is where it's all headed, but it's unclear how much of this is even going to be in the books. I at just this think point. that he just got so lucky because now it's like, oh God, thank God, I don't have to finish those right. books because <laughs> I had no idea what I was going to do. Right. In. But yeah, so this would we. I would say anybody listening, if you haven't watched, probably spoilers here. So quit listening. But that was the end of that show of course I mean it it was like I knew what it was going to be about I don't know as soon as I as soon as I saw the dragon when he when he was shot down I didn't it didn't occur to me right, right then but at some point a, you know you just he's like oh, there's gonna be an ice dragon there is an ice know, dragon we right. haven't seen it in flight yet yeah. so does the ice dragon like breathe like I think ice? I think ice okay. yeah I think he will freeze you instead it'll be of, like the, the, the it'll be like snowman or yeah, Mr. Freeze or whatever, or whatever right. on, on, on X-Men well what do you, do you think that's what I think yes I, mean, I think you'll have a dragon breathing fire and one breathing ice and, and then they'll come together and it'll make and a tornado a song or whatever of uh, fire and ice. Right. Maybe that's the whole thing right there. <laughs> Uncle Benjamin, we saw him. We talked about that yeah. last time. So he did. Uh, he did come back and. For a very minor character, he did a, now, a very I remember good thing. you had strong feelings about Cersei, but I can't remember whether they were positive or negative. Well, no, they're negative in general. Yeah, right. I, I, I'm not a. I think not we're getting. I think we're getting. A, we're going to get a big Cersei episode this weekend. But, but I will say this about Cersei: um, you can't help but. You know, it, when like at the end of season six, and when you watched what she went through, no matter right. how much you hated her, you really liked watching her exact right. her revenge because it, I mean, she treats people so terribly and she is such an odious person. But, but they were just so bad too. I mean, it was, you right. know, the, the high septon and all his little uh, sparrows or whatever they were. You just couldn't, you couldn't um, feel sorry for them. Now, this year, I mean, this season, some of the people that we've seen leave the show have been like Diana Rigg. That was that was uh, sad, but right. but a really nice little scene there. The way it was done was real. I thought it was handled real well. Right. Does, does, does Cersei die this weekend? Oh, I don't think so. Do you? No. I, I, I think something somebody major is going to go. I don't know who it is, and it's not going to oh. be Jon Snow. It's not going to be Daenerys, and so I don't know. Well, I don't think it'll be Tyrion either. 
How about Jamie? Could be Jamie. Could, that, it could very well be Jamie. I, one of the big criticisms this season, and I tend to agree with it, is that <clears throat> things are going big plot things are happening too quickly like they just spent an entire right. season with like you know Arya and the hound like traveling through westeros and now they're going like across the 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 um the north and they're sending ravens and all this stuff That's is happening true. like really fast yeah you know? i was reading something about the ravens it's like what did these ravens do the they're ravens like have the powered. internet i mean yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they're able to communicate like, instantly like drone ravens but no i, I would i would say of the two it would be Jamie before Cersei because one, I think Arya gets to kill um, Cersei, and I don't see her. Yeah. I don't see her in Westeros this week. All right, I don't see it. I think now, you might we be do right. know that Brienne is going, um, but I, I could see maybe Jamie yeah. if, if it's major. I mean, we don't have that many major characters yeah. left, so all right. Yeah, I think you might be right. So, Game of Thrones finale this weekend. Jennifer and I will be watching. So, <clears throat> hit us up on Twitter or whatever if you want to if you want to react to that. Maybe we'll talk about it again next week, Jennifer. Thanks for joining. Thanks. See ya. Pretty woman. All right. Now we got Bob Mayer and John Bythus in. We're going to talk about the Myths Music Hall of Fame, maybe a little bit of movie stuff and what's going on. So, Bob, tell us, who is the new class of the Memphis Music Hall of Fame? Well, it's an interesting class, all of whom will be inducted posthumously, kind of led off by uh, Roy Orbison, great uh, pop singer and songwriter who obviously got his, his real start here at Sun in Memphis. Um, Cowboy Jack Clement, another Sun alumnus who also went on to have later success as a producer of, you know, Charlie Pride, Waylon Jennings, was a songwriter as well, here for Johnny Cash. Um Earth, Wind, and Fire founder Maurice White, who was uh, born and essentially raised in Memphis, although the band really didn't form till later. He moved to Chicago as a teenager and then eventually to Los Angeles. But, you know, he has deep ties to Memphis and, you know, went to Booker T. Washington, grew up with uh, David Porter. And and and, uh, and really his start also came through Stax, uh, through uh, doing a soundtrack for Melvin Van Peebles film that was on Stax. So he kind of, you know, there's enough there to sort of make him Memphis, Memphis born, certainly. And then... Um, Wayne Jackson and Andrew Love of the Memphis Horns um, are among the nominees as well. Obviously, they're lifetime Grammy Award winners, uh, you know, stalwarts of the Stax House Band. Wayne was in the Marquees. Um, and and also as part of that, uh, some of the other people, the Memphis Horns more loosely affiliated earlier version included about four or five other people. And so those people will be honored as well. But primarily it's Wayne and Andrew Love, uh, you know, who are officially known as the Memphis Horns. And then um, a few other folks, uh, bluesman Frank Stokes, uh, born in Memphis, uh, Mississippi guy, was one of the great early bluesmen of the 20s and 30s. Had a big influence on Jimmy Rogers. Uh, his sides for Paramount and Victor are kind of, you know, in the early and country blues world considered, you know, seminal recordings. Um, Cassietta George, who's also Memphis-born gospel singer and songwriter uh, who toured with many groups, you know, basically from the 40s to the 70s, was Grammy nominated. She's also uh, going in. And last but not least is Irvin Salky, who uh, just passed a few months ago. He was primarily known as a civil rights attorney, but also was a music manager, managed for Lewis and some other folks and is the founder of the Beale Street Music Festival. He sort of put up the money and really was the guy who uh, who put his money where his mouth was as far as that and, and helped found that. And obviously that's one of the cultural uh, and musical touchstones here in Memphis for the last 40 years. So that's the seven member class bringing the total number of folks in there up to uh, 67 now. And the ceremonies will be held uh, in October, late October, October 26. 
8th, I believe. Um, and uh, and they'll be doing that at the Cannon Center. And they haven't announced the talent who will be participating. Right. But obviously it's going to be, um, you know, the house band's going to be the guys from High Rhythm. Steve Jordan, uh, great producer, drummer, well-known drummer, uh, is going to be leading the house band. And so I think the guests and, and who the artists paying tribute are uh, are going to dribble out, you know, more into end of September, October. Um, I certainly have no quarrel with any of those inductees. Um, all worthy. There are a few things we could talk about with it, though. Sure. Um, I'm a little surprised they went back up. It they they declined every year in terms of the number of inductees. They were down to six last year, back up to seven. I'm a little surprised they didn't settle at six or even five. I think I think the number is always. You know, it's between that five and seven range is their intentions. I think this year, maybe because of uh, Irvin's passing, Salky's passing, maybe they thought, okay, well, let's. It, the timing was right, so they might right. have added him. Whereas, you know, he might have gone in another year. I think there's always a couple niches they want to hit. They they want to do represent gospel um, because Memphis gospel and sort of this region's gospel is always, you know, really important. Maybe not even so much from the performer side, but from the songwriter side, right? Um, and the music side. Uh, so, you know, Cassietta George gets in on that, and then of course they they want to maintain the kind of legacy of early country blues because a lot of those people and, and, and early blues music and so that's where you get Frank Stokes so you know depending on if they feel that that's it that's I think what it, where it goes from instead of four or five to five to right. seven it is certainly yeah, I, I was going to say I would I would agree that I would think that they wanted to include Irvin Salky but he wasn't a musician per se nor a name that would be recognized by out of towners when they send out their press releases sure. and their national news media about right. Memphis Music Hall of fame but so he's i would think he's he's a deserving honoree but also i think almost like a bonus yeah. uh, member to this year i mean class. obviously we can talk about the people who you know uh, as john doyle they sometimes beleaguered ahead right. of, ahead of his organization because you know this time of year he has to always deal with you know people saying about who was in and why they and who wasn't and why um i think as you as you pointed out, the first year they probably over inducted, right? Uh, but they wanted to sort of establish something, and in the years since they've sort of uh, tapered down in terms of the numbers. Um, but there's also the thing idea I think that John and the people at the hall have to think two, three, four years ahead, and so right. they don't want to cram everybody. And there's you know, and there's circumstantial reasons in this case why Irvin Salky might have been in this year as opposed to next year or the year after, something like that. Um, so I think, you know, certainly and William some, Bell made all the sense in the world last year because it happened, A, he was probably the best person in that, in that genre, not sure. yet in, but also he had a new record out. Yeah, right? he was Grammy nominated, had a new record out, was, right. uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, I mean, there's some obvious people that I think you can. Well, look let, at, let, so. let's get to sort of who's left in a second, sure. but just to stick with who was who in this year, right. it is not. It, this is not new for them to induct people who are extremely well-known, Memphis-connected, but their music is not primarily of Memphis. I mean, that was the case with John Lee Hooker, um, you know, Lil Harden, um, Al- Alberta Hunter. ZZ Top. I mean, ZZ Top was they're the sort of, They're sort of the other way, and where they're not from Memphis, but they but, actually yeah, did record right. most of their... It's sort of the, the inverse. I think there's right? that. I think you can go but with the people that aren't pure Memphis-born-bred right. or deeply affiliated with stacks or high you know in the case of otis redding i mean otis redding 
you can say his time in Memphis was limited, but it was so profound and important in his career and in music in general that he's identified right. primarily with Memphis. ZZ Top did so many records here, even though they're from Texas. And then some of the other people, they may have been born here, passed through here, got some important, done some important work here. And so that qualifies them. I think that's a, that's a fairly loose definition and, right. and parameters for how they decide those things. It's a, and it, a lot of it's done by feel. And I think if you look at among the 60 people, 67 people now they've inducted, it's probably 80%, 85% pure Memphis. Right. And of that 15%, um, I think most people wouldn't have quibble with with any of those folks uh, right. who, who kind of have been sort of put under the Memphis umbrella. Yeah, but Roy Orbison's sort of an interesting case in which I mean, he should totally be in this. I'm not questioning that at all. But it is the case of someone who Roy Orbison is known the reason he is known has nothing to do with Memphis, really. He had a couple little hits at Sun. He but, had hits but he, and was writing songs here, you know, for Jerry Lee Lewis and other folks. But yes. If, the, if his career had ended when his time in Memphis yeah, ended, he, he would have been Billy Lee Riley or whatever. Right, he was exactly. not like someone who music people know. Exactly. But not a star. That's true. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I would say probably out of any of the people who sort of non-specific Memphis people, I think Orbison, I wouldn't say is a stretch, but certainly falls kind of maybe on yeah. the outer ring of that. But, you know, you in, almost wonder if they're going to put in Aretha Franklin sometime. I wouldn't be surprised. I, you know, the, I mean, Maurice White, again, kind of falls under that thing. I mean, you could argue that Maurice White certainly had much more rooting in Memphis yes. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. for the first 17, 18 right. years of his life and his, and, and some affiliation with Stax. Um Whereas Aretha was much more sort of passing through, and this just happened to be where she literally was born. passing through, like like like, like swaddled as she was passing <laughs> right, through. Right, right. Well, um, and also that some that Sam Phillips' uh, son roster is so legendary that Roy Orbison did, in fact, they did make a little hay about his Memphis connections later when they brought him back to town for the class yes. of fifty five. Well, that's a good reunion. point. I didn't think class, about that. Yeah, class of with, and and he's on the wall outside of Sun. So right. I think if yeah. you're on the wall outside of Sun and you and you really are sort of tied to, I think. In the way, oh no! I think he's probably next in line at Sun. Yeah. But I, mean, yeah. I just think in the way that there are certain artists tied to the the iconic institutions, primarily Sun and Stax. I think if you're tied to those labels during a certain period, you know, with Sun the mid '50s, with Sax the mid '60s, right. uh, I think you are, you know, you become a Memphian for life, one way or the other. So, <laughs> are we surprised they did not put a living inductee in this year? Because there are some that that, that, that I, certainly will I, be in at some point. I am, I am around. surprised. I am surprised a little bit. I, you know, I'm, I'm not privy uh, or on the board and know exactly how these things shake out. I mean, I, I, as I understand it, and predictably as these things go, halls of fame, you know. There's a right. there's a period of discussion. There's some, uh, st- you know, s- s- strategery as uh, as, uh, as uh, George W. Bush would say, or or Will, Will Ferrell would say. say as George right. um, so you know they have to. I think they factor a lot of things in. But yeah, I'm a little surprised because I do think, and maybe that's where we'd go next, is that there are some yeah. pretty important living people again, either deeply connected to Memphis or Memphians who could still go in. Uh, okay, let's separate it between living and, and not living in terms of who's left. Who, who who would we put in next among people who are who, well, are, who are living? I mean, to me. You've got the kind of Alabama Memphis contingent, which is Dan Penn and Spooner Oldham. In right. both mm-hmm. cases, particularly in dance, he spent a lot of time here, was involved with very many things. Dan and, Penn co wrote The Dark End of the Street and produced The Letter, which are two of the signature songs that well, came and, out of and, Memphis. And wrote Cry Like Co wrote yeah. Cry Like a Baby with right. Spooner, uh, played on many, many Memphis records, wrote many Memphis songs, had his own studio here, recorded his early stuff here. He left for Nashville in 73 or 4. Um, but. 
and is from Alabama and had his early days. But the peak years of Dan Penn's, the mo- when he did his most important work, uh, I would say uh, inarguably, were, was in Memphis. And he is, you know, tied to Memphis. So I think, you know, he's one. I think Spooner, who's also in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame under the Sideman right. category, uh, again, spent enough time here, did enough important work here that he would be uh, categorized. And, you know, it's not uncommon for people to be in two different state yeah. music halls of fame. So I think it, those are two, the two that jump out. What about and, you, John, in terms of people people living? Well, we'll get to deceased. Oh, uh, well, I had... I Anybody had, jump out? I, I mean, I think Dan Van and Spooner Oldham are two really obvious uh, choices. I'm not familiar enough with the who all's in the Hall of Fame. Is, is Charles Lloyd in, in yeah, this? Yeah, he went in there? last year. Yeah. Uh, there may, um, I guess some of the, if there's some other jazz folks, uh, Harold Mayburn, he's he, he's a, he's passed away, isn't he? Yeah, sure. Uh, I would say Eddie Floyd. Eddie Floyd. It, it, I mean, there are a few soul guys. Um, Otis you know. Clay is in there, isn't he? Yeah, Otis not, Clay is he's not. not. Okay, well, it's he's also Chicago esque. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, but but Eddie Floyd's still alive. I, I think he's sort of to me almost maybe next in line among stack singers. My sense is that he is, uh, and this is just vague. I, my sense is there's some stuff in the same way that William Bell had to come back. I think Eddie Floyd okay. is due for one, and possibly that's it would be the more uh, logical timing in the next year or two. I'll, I'll give you a, a huge one still living that is sort of a it's debatable how much you want to connect it to memphis but also um connects to a deceased person who on the merits should have been in a long time ago but there's other complications there i'm talking about tina turner and ike turner tina turner's from the region yes definitely ike turner is the most important memphis connected musician who is not in that hall of fame yeah obviously there is there is other there are other things in his life that make you, but I don't think that's. Right. I don't. You know, I think that's a, has faded somewhat. Yeah, uh, and, and it's not like I mean, at this point, he's not going to be there getting an award, right? You're you just know, saying, it you're should just, have been Ike Turner in the uh, on the Rocket Eighty. He was record. the he was the band leader in what, yeah. what is widely considered the first rock and roll song yeah. recorded at Sun Studio. Uh, I think. I think that's probably inevitable too. I right. think, uh, yeah, if you're going to put them in jointly, there's probably some complications. Well, I don't know if you'd do it jointly, yeah. but, but I think it's separately they're both sort of in that sure. conversation. Right? I think so. I think. I mean, so. do you think Tina Turner would she be in a Memphis Music Hall of Fame given that she grew up in the region, or is that too tenuous? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Uh, it's that's sort of tenuous. But yeah. how 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 big a circle do they want to make around so-called Memphis for this? I mean, do you include people who were well, in they're a, done a, down across you, the river, but who didn't record for Sun? You know, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think you'd put Louis Jordan in a Memphis Music Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, but I mean, Arkansas. I, I, right. you know, again, I, I think there, in as much as there is a kind of definition, I think there either has to be um, by birth, right, longevity, like Margaret Piazza. Right. She wasn't right. born here; she didn't have her, but she lived here for forty years, right. brought opera, and that was also a dimension they yeah. could add. Or you recorded in Memphis studios, or for Memphis, or, or labels. you for, for Memphis labels, right? Um, so I think that's the you know the basic fundamentals. What what boxes does Tina Turner check off in that? It's not exactly clear. Right. I mean, region certainly, and some you know kind of connections, but yeah, mostly they're. That's a part of Ike Turner's band early a, on. Yes, right? there's that too. So you know, I, I think eventually, yes, I think eventually, if they keep going at it at the rate they're going, they're gonna they're gonna get to people who are maybe a little bit more on the cusp in terms of that definition or uh, whatever. So I, I think it's, right. it's inevitable. Any other anybody any any other names people want to throw out, living or dead? You think should be next in. Line in in the in the next few years. Well, I don't know if his uh, nom de guerre is too politically incorrect, but I think Jay Retard 
is a yeah. deserving figure and his legacy seems to continue to be growing i just saw on on uh, social media the other day so i can't remember exactly who but it was someone along the lines of edgar wright and jj abrams just casually discussing him it'll be as interesting to known, see who the know. first like post 199 i don't mean i actually justin timberlake in three six mafia yeah. in but other than that like of rock scene stuff who the first post 1990s person to get in would be would it be him or would it be the north Mississippi all-stars who have had grammy nominations well does jeff buckley count i mean right. he died here he he had a re- he lived here he had a residency yeah, i think that's here. fairly tenuous just because it was yeah. at the end um and it might that might seem a little a bit more like exploitative a little exploitative. i mean I, I might argue for the oblivions but i do think jay Riotard and the all north Mississippi all-stars are probably more likely yeah i had a I, you know with timberlake and, and and north miss um i mean with timberlake and uh three six already in yeah right. that's probably true i mean you know you can I, I think there's arguments to be made for um, songwriters, producers, and certainly for session players. I mean, Chip's mm-hmm. moment is in, but I don't believe the American band is in. Yep. Again, they sort of honored them as right. part of that. When you get into studio musicians, that's always been a quandary, I think, with all the halls of fame. You know, how do you sort of, right. are they, a, what version of the group? Is it the individual members? Is it a thing if they weren't, you know, so there's that those complications. But certainly American, the American, you know, the Memphis boys really should be in. And I guess in a way are via chips. Um and what about people like George Klein? Yeah, I guess yeah. Dewey Phillips he's is not in. in there, right? I mean, no, he, Dewey Phillips, I think is. I'm saying Dewey Phillips is in. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. George Klein should be in. He was, aside from his Elvis Association, was the host of Talent Party for all those years. A influential disc jockey, still sure promoting will, Memphis music. So, on I'm sure George television. will hear this and and be ready to to uh, right. take you up on that. Yeah, and there's your living member right, right. there. Too. One last one I'll throw out before we move on. James Carr. James Carr. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. And I think. Uh, you know, I don't know, like Obi Wright too. Yeah, you know, I don't know. There. Again, it gets into recording here where they lived, etc. I mean, I think Obi Wright was mainly, you know, the bulk of his life was in Memphis, right. if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so, you know, there's there's still a lot of people. It gets they, they got several more years of five to seven nominees to go before we we're really questioning mm-hmm. whether people yeah. deserve to be in. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So there's another list things out. It's not Memphis Connected, but we'll touch on it briefly. The BBC put out their list of 100 greatest comedies. They polled more than 250 film critics. John Bifus, did you know there are still 250 film critics? They didn't reach out to me, that's for sure. <laughs> um, the top ten on this list, I'll do real quick, was um, um, Some Like It Hot, Dr. Strangelove, Annie Hall, Groundhog Day, um, Duck Soup, which is Mark's Brothers, Life of Brian, which is Monty Python, Airplane, Playtime, which is sort of the most obscure thing that's very high on this list, which is a French movie, uh, Jacques Tati, sort of a live-action Where's Waldo kind of thing. This is Spinal Tap and The General, Buster Keaton, um, and then it goes deeper than that. Uh, you know, I mean, as lists go, I think this is a pretty decent one. Yeah, actually, I think it's pretty good. It's in, they, they must have polled some pretty erudite film critics because unlike some of these polls you see – it's not the. There's a lot of black and white movies. There's a right. lot of pre 1960. But there's also Anchorman there. and Step Brothers and Bridesmaids, yeah. and so well, I, I mean, think, it, yeah. it's really covering yeah, it's the base. I think varied. Spinal Tap getting in the top ten or whatever is pretty indicative of and, the, and the, airplane and too. Airplane. Yeah, right. I never thought something like that was that funny. It's not like ha-ha funny. Well, that, I, I had those... that discussion on the radio with Jeff Calkins today, and I was sort of made the point that like there are different sort of sub-genres of sure. comedy mm-hmm. that work in different ways. Like, 
you know, a romantic comedy is not trying to do the same thing that The Hangover is sure. trying to do. And so, you know, I don't know if you judge comedy strictly by how how much you laugh out loud. I would still say something like a Hot is a comedy, but there's a few other movies on here that I believe Pulp Fiction is in this yeah, list. That I would not call that a comedy. That's just even tension relief humor. Right, yeah, right, exactly. Right, right. Um, I would not. I wouldn't put Singing on the Rain. I mean, it's comedic, but I, I, I consider yeah. that a musical. I wouldn't have it on this list. Me neither. Well, Ray Bradbury put uh, Singing in the Rain on his science fiction list <laughs> on the basis that it is literally a film about a technolo- the way a technological invention changes the lives of the people involved in it. That's interesting. I, I had a couple in terms of like more recent, more mainstream stuff. I had a couple of things that I thought. I think Coming to America would be a better um, Eddie Murphy entry than Trading Places. I. Yeah, I I had watched recently all of the Eddie Murphy films that I watched as a kid. Starting, okay, interesting. Starting with what that. held up? Um, what held up slightly less, which was for me at nine, was like the most the funniest and the hardest I've ever laughed was Beverly Hills Cop. It's still a great movie. Martin Brest directed. It's fantastic. But I tell you what holds up in a sort of strange way is The Golden Child. Seriously? Yeah, because the I gold- remember that being really bad. No, it's actually not, and it. it Particularly now in this sort of realm of kind of dragons and sci-fi stuff and action, it's it's you know there was actually at the time another movie I love, Big Trouble in Little China, and right. Golden Child. Similar theme were sort of racing to come out, but Golden Child is actually, if I'm not mistaken, is the film he made after uh, the success of Beverly Hills Cop. So it's like Eddie Murphy actually at his hottest, most successful yep. moment where he's kind of at his no. most swaggering is captured on that in that film. And so yeah, the film has some weird you know parts but it's actually not a bad i would urge you to rewatch it it's, it's very enjoyable i haven't seen it since 1987 tonally it's got some weird very dark stuff and then it shifts into this fantasy you know but but him just as in terms of a vehicle for him it's in some ways actually as a vehicle for him it's it's as good as beverly Hills. is that even of, a quote comedy or is it more like big trouble in little well, china it's that an, it's a comedic adventure or comedic indiana adventure. jones I, I mean i think in the same way that big that beverly hills cop you'd say is a comedy but it's an action yeah. comedy or all right so so, so that's held up you say better yeah. than people think but if you had to pick one eddie murphy movie to put in the this a time capsule like this what i would it guess be? i would say beverly hills cop because okay. i just think you know that was still, his sort of signature yeah. like star vehicle right yeah yeah, hit theme, hit um, theme song. And then my other thing was like, I know Judd Apatow is like out of fashion right now, but Knocked Up and the 40-Year-Old Virgin, like one of those movies should be on this list. Well, I'd have to scour oh, the list the a little more, but Over the Hangover for hey, sure. Uh, I, th- I think the, the funniest film I've seen probably in the last 20 years, uh, really, and, and I like Will Ferrell films, although some more than others, but uh, The Other Guys, uh, which is one he made with uh, Adam McKay, and uh, it's him and Mark Wahlberg playing cops. Yes. I think it's one of the funny, like just pound for pound, line for line. It, there's not a foot wrong. Everybody's great in it. Steve Coogan's in it. Eva Mendes. The, it has it. the great sort of opening. Michael opening, Keaton is fantastic. The opening in bit it. with The Rock, and I can't remember who the other one was. Uh, the, the Rock and Samuel L. Jackson, yeah. Bobby Kennedy. And then the casting, you know, it's like one of those movies where everybody's so good in it all right. the way down. And the, the, the interplay between the two of them is uh, between Wahlberg and Will Ferrell. I mean, that's consistently, the like to me, the funniest film I've seen in a long, long while. I'll put a similar flag down for Super. Super Troopers, which I love. Right, right. Super Troopers, I never did see that. You've never seen Super Troopers, John Bifus. Some of these the new comedies. It's like, like I think Twenty One Jump Street is very funny, yeah, but about yeah. two thirds of it is great, and then it loses right. it. You know, 
All right. Any any further thoughts on this before before we we head out of here? That's the BBC Top 100 Comedies list. I, I counted. I've seen 80 of the 101, so I got some work to do. <laughs> but but you know, li- one of the best things about lists is a guide for people to find to search stuff out. Sure. This is a pretty good guide for searching stuff out. Right. So. And since it's comedy, it's not intimidating. People are scared to watch the 100 best movies. Oh, they're intimidated by by, BBC, by, by comedies but, with from the 30s and 40s. Well, they're, well, they're definitely intimidated by comedies with subtitles like Playtime. Right. Um, okay, so that's that. Um, going on in Memphis this week. Anybody got any recommendations? Well, the uh, Orpheum concludes its summer movie series this Friday night with what has become an annual event for them, the screening of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which still screens once a month at the Evergreen Theater and has been doing so for several years. But the Orpheum brings it, gives it a it gives it a family-friendly viewing time of 7 p.m. Friday. And uh, one difference between traditional Rocky Horror screenings and the Orpheums is they provide a for-sale bag of props. They don't want you to bring water pistols and cigarette lighters and other right. potentially damaging things into their historic theater. <laughs> right. They don't want you to throw rice, so they give you a bag of props. Okay. You got anything you want to throw out, Bob? Well, it, I'm interested to see R. Kelly is supposed to be playing uh, here. I, they tweeted about it a couple days ago. Apparently, it's still it's happening. It's still on. I was hesitant to... You would think of all the dates for him to cancel, he'd want to maybe cancel Memphis. Well, it, it, or not. Oddly enough, you know, he's played here quite a bit in the last, say, eight years, nine years uh, at various venues. But that that play, family, he, when they went public, was a Memphis was connected a Memphis family. family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. he's canceled. I think it was 10 dates scheduled. He's canceled right. either six or four. I can't remember what, what it is, but there's just a handful, less than half, probably, or just about half left. Um, you know, he's played Landers, he played Orpheum, he played the FedEx a couple times. Right. So, I mean, he has a, a, a draw in Memphis, but I, I, I don't know how the tickets have been affected. I don't know if the show's going to happen. So, I mean, it sounds like what, it is. What night is that supposed to be? Uh, that's Sunday, I believe. Sunday? All right. So, we have Rocky Horror, we have R. Kelly. Um, I, I actually have a wholesome recommendation. I'm, I'm <laughs> I wasn't like, you, recommending you, it. I was pointing did, it out. You two degenerates over there. I'm going to recommend the um, opening of the new ballet memphis headquarters they're having an all-day yeah. sort of community event on saturday um it's totally free it's from like noon to five and they're gonna have um demonstrations and performances and you can go check out the new building and you can it's safe to bring the whole family to the ballet memphis not to, <laughs> unlike r kelly and the, the rocky horror picture show Hey, we live on the edge. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Just search Crossroads Commercial Appeal. And please make sure to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris Harrington, Jennifer at JenniferBiggs1, John at John Bifus, Bob at Bob Mayer. And, of course, you can read all of our coverage at CommercialAppeal.com. For Jennifer, John, and Bob, I'm Chris Harrington. Join us next time for another episode of Crossroads. This is the Commercial Appeal. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.